0: So today we talk to the chief product officer at TaskRabbit, John Vars. He leads a team of product managers, but he also has engineering, UX design, and data that report to him. So he has a very wide view of the product and is able to make extremely informed decisions because of the teams he can bring together. It's a really interesting conversation about product management Rabbit has introduced some really ambitious features that were informed by the data and product discovery that they've been doing, and in the end, worked out really, really well. So we're going to hear about that, and then we'll discuss some product management techniques that he uses uh, to make decisions about the product and where the product will go next. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast we're culture to sales and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Goldman. So we're going to get right into the conversation today. And we start off with what is product management and what is the role that John sees product management playing?
1: Yeah, great question. Because product management, I think, is uh, can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's the, it's the role that is integrating, uh, engineering design and UX, uh, with the business needs. So I think, you know, it's really important that a product manager is somewhat fluent in all those areas, uh, can talk the language and the lingo of all those things and understands, uh, those disciplines and and can come up with a strategy, uh, and a roadmap to integrate all the needs of all those things. Um, and to play well with those teams. So, what was your background in coming into
0: you know where you are today? Uh, w- did you have a diverse background that spanned uh, you know business and and engineering?
1: Yeah. Well, I started out uh, as a software engineer uh, in the late '90s. Uh, I was at a company called Preview Travel. We went public and then were acquired by Travelocity. So that was really my first. It was like six years I was there and I started out as an engineering, uh, just a software engineer and left as an engineering manager. After Travelocity, I co-founded a company uh, which was called Dogster.com and it was one of the first, you know, web 2.0 community sites, you know, with profiles and friending and, and all of that stuff um, and it's still in existence today actually. Uh, But I ran that company or co-ran that company for nearly eight years before we sold it to Say Media. And that's really where I had uh, the business experience, like, you know, running your own company. We had 20 employees. We raised funding rounds. um, You know, we had bills to pay. We had legal things happening. So really, uh, that experience allowed me to understand that business world really firsthand um, as well as running the product and engineering teams yeah. uh, along the way. <laughs> nice. And so
0: when you came on to TaskRabbit, um, what, what was the big problem that you were, you were tasked with solving in the, in the product? What was the goal?
1: So there were several problems. The, in the, there was some uh, in the product specifically. We had just launched... Uh, when I was coming on and when I was talking to TaskRabbit, when we were making friends, uh, they were just in the process of launching uh, basically a new business model where TaskRabbit was going from uh, more of an auction bidding uh, type situation to being able to book a tasker, uh, get a task booked uh, in one session and one online experience so before it was like you'd go and you say i have this job i need done you'd post it a bunch of people would would bid on it and write proposals you'd read through all those and select one and then it, the work would happen And that would usually happen over a period of days and so that new launch was you go on you see who's available to do the type of work you want done and you just book them in that one experience and so they had just launched this and i was coming on and everyone was really um pretty much freaking out, I would say, (laughs) Uh, you know, as with any bit, you know, they took six months, uh, building it. Um, they uh, rolled out an early version in London, then they rolled it across all, all the markets. And it was just like that typical post launch period where, you know, there's change aversion, the, uh, NPS might be dipping because of that change aversion uh, the product isn't fully optimized yet, and so you, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of, you know, emergencies and things that need fixing. And so my, I feel like my first real task was just kind of bringing um, some calmness to that and helping people see that this is like a process and change aversions normal. And people are gonna, you know, tell us that we we suck and we should have never made this change. And that that all is part of it. And so we just worked really hard in those first three three months with like a real urgency and six months to kind of get it to running better than much better than that previous product had had. So it was really just kind of bringing that experience and, and calmness really to sure. uh, the team.
0: And um, what kind of discovery did you do to make sure that you guys are building the right thing? Um, since it's a marketplace and there's, there's definitely two sides to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, so a lot of that, you know, that particular product was uh, was before my time. But there, you know, with anything we do here and including that one, uh, we do a lot of research. So we have, um, we'll do, sometimes we'll bring in external firms to help us with research and we'll do qualitative and quantitative. We also do a lot of internal research um, with, uh, you know, bringing our users in, Bring potential users in, doing surveys. Uh, And then finally, we have a data science team, which is really, you know, I consider our secret weapon who can just mine our data and find really valuable insights uh, from the data and different ways of thinking about our product. Um, And they work really, really closely uh, with our product team. And then the other thing I think is really important in terms of, like, how we do discovery is we're pretty tight-knit group of people um, cross-functionally. So we have our operations team, our marketing team, all the teams that I run, and we're very close with each other and we work really close with each other. So those insights and opinions and ideas um, are all shared and on the table and you know, feedback is very welcome in our culture. So everything gets on the table. Yeah. very quickly. And so we, we can, we can make good decisions together.
0: What does that conversation look like when you, when you're looking at, you know, to build a new feature or to fix something in the product and you've got the data team, you've got the product team, um, you've got the vision for the company. How do you, how do you reconcile those in a meeting?
1: Well, it's usually not going to be that productive to do that in one meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first thing we do is signal to the company where we're thinking we're going from, you know, vision perspective, from a longer term roadmap and from a, you know, even a shorter term uh, monthly, quarterly roadmap. And so that really gets people thinking uh, about the topic. Um, When we start getting into, you know, actually working on that project, um, we'll tend to focus on real divergent thinking early on. So, you know, through brainstorms or just kind of uh, throwing crazy ideas out there with each other. And we really value that stage uh, of, of thinking crazy, really. Uh, and I encourage people to be as crazy as they can in that stage um, and think of whatever is possible. We really value that and protect that stage before we go into, like, the convergence phase of deciding exactly what is possible to build you know, what our timelines are, time to market, and and what, you know, is technically possible. Um, So that comes later. And I think that's a pretty important step for us is just keeping those two types of thinking separate.
0: Okay, so we're going to hear more from John in just a minute. In fact, we're going to get into the techniques that he uses to help prioritize features when he's dealing with multiple product managers. That'll be right after a word from our sponsors. At business.att.com. That's business.att.com. This product series is also brought to you by ChargeBee. So, whether you're the CEO and want to make your developer a hero, or you're a developer and want to be a hero, go to chargebee.com forward slash rocketship to find out more about how ChargeBee is the smartest way to set up your subscription billing. So don't build this all yourself. Be a hero, get it done right, and move on to building the rest of your product. So go to chargebee.com forward slash rocket ship and get started for free. Now back to our interview with John Vars, the chief product officer at TaskRabbit. Back from multiple uh, product managers And do you guys have any methods that you use to prioritize uh, different initiatives?
1: Yeah, there's a few different ways. Um, And I think they're pretty common, at least in the teams I've seen doing product management prioritization. So we will, uh, you know, we do this about every quarter. Um, We'll take all the projects that people want to get, candidate projects that people want to get done in that quarter, and we'll do a little you know, two by two matrix, um, you know, impact on the company's goals. It will be one dimension and then effort, um, to complete it. And we'll map every project on that matrix. And so you basically get four quadrants, you know, of things that are, you know, high impact and low effort. And those are the ones we want to do first. Uh, And then you can, you know, envision the, you know, the, the other quadrants there and you probably don't want to do low impact, high effort. Um, the other thing that we do that I don't know if other companies do explicitly is then we'll actually add a dimension of confidence on, on that uh, on those different points. so how confident are we in in our solution or in you know our ability to execute that well? Um, some people I guess would conflate that into effort, I guess, but but we keep that as a separate sort of uh, final step in that and then from that we'll. You know, go through um, all the projects with sort of that ROI understanding or estimated ROI uh, and prioritize um, based on that. And then we'll have a final step, which is sequencing, which is a little different than prioritization because, you know, sequencing is about like understanding um, uh, cross functional dependencies, staffing. Uh, issues, you know, vacations or people working on something else and trying to do this sort of sort of like playing uh, product management Tetris and getting like the right sequence lined up with all the dependencies and all the different people who need to work on different things.
0: So, um, and then how do you measure? Uh, do you have like a quarterly retro or anything like that that you're measuring, you know, um, the the impact, uh, of the initiatives that you choose to take?
1: Yeah, sure. So we have, there's several different ways we measure. Um, the first is that as a company, we do, we do the OKR process. So that's, you know, objectives and key results that was made famous at Intel 30, 40 years ago or Mm -hmm. whenever. And Google does it. A bunch of companies do it now. And so, Objective will be something like, you know, increased top-line revenue, and the key results might be the actual metrics that we're using um, for any given objective. The objective is kind of like the way you would say it, and then the key results are the metrics you use to measure that. So each quarter at a company level and in a departmental level, um, we have OKRs that will measure uh, and grade at the end of each period. But also within um, any project that happens within a quarter – um, or that expands quarters for a really big one. We don't have many of those. We'll also have uh, a follow-up period where we're, you know, and after launch, you know, we'll we'll pick the appropriate period of time or periods of time and and do an analysis on how successful, you know, that project is and what where do we need to optimize, what follow-on stuff do we need to do, um, and try and gauge whether, you know, it's successful or it's successful, but, or it's not successful at all.
0: Um, Would you consider TaskRabbit a product-driven organization?
1: Hmm. I think it, I think we, we're probably at times a very product-driven company. Mm -hmm. And at other times I would say um, we're more of a business-driven, I guess, if that's the other thing. Okay. Um, so, and I, and I guess those phases just alternate, really. Um, but sometimes we're really, you know, like we're in a phase right now where we're feeling pretty good about the product, uh, but we're really driving hard on some, uh, you know, growth initiatives um, and efficiency and quality initiatives that I would say product are uh, a very important player in that, but not maybe the, there's not, it's not leading uh, the charge or um, it's not singularly a product thing. Okay. Um, at, at other times, I think we are very product when we have, you know, for instance, um, we had a really big launch uh, in March this year. That, it was about a four month lead up to that. And that was really revamping our mobile product. And it was actually adding um, uh, a way to book tasks. So if everyone knows what TaskRabbit is, you get home services, um, you know, you get someone to do your home services. So you can get handyman, you can get your apartment or house clean, you can get um, personal assistant or delivery, you can get moving help or, you know, mounting TVs or anything that has to do with moving. So of those things, uh, this March, we launched a product which was get those things on demand. So, over time, most people have been, uh, you know, scheduling those things out a few days. But we realized people are wanting those things. I don't know. I guess it's the greater, you know, macro environment. People are used to getting things on demand. So we built this product where now you can get those services through Taskrabbit, you know, within an hour. Wow. Um, and so it took us a few months to build that product. And as we were building that, we also uh you know planned a marketing campaign along with that. But that, you know, that four months, that Q four and Q one of this year were really product driven. And we got that launch out and we optimized it. And then we've sort of shifted since then, I think, to be more of like a growth led thing, which product is, you know, you know, probably a co co-leader of that effort, but it's also but it's with marketing.
0: And so what were some of the biggest challenges in 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 it like kind of introducing such a large change to you know to a marketplace like that where you have you know two sides and you now have like vendors that are used to delivering in maybe a couple of days that now have, have to adjust to an hour? Um and then people are obviously probably pretty excited about being able to get tasks done within the hour.
1: Yeah, well, so it's re- yeah, it is very hard. Um and it's very cross-functional. So I think You know, just to be clear, you can still schedule things out in the mobile app uh, a couple days, so we didn't take that functionality away, but we just really emphasized uh, the on-demand experience as the happy path, so as the, like, sort of default experience. And I think the hardest things about this were, you know, the cross-functional aspects. So on the supply side, on our taskers, we had to get them, you know, used to a world where everything's happening right now, which is a change in behavior for them, and anytime you're changing, you know, behavior in a marketplace, uh, that can be very hard. So they, um, that was one really big effort, mostly led by our operations team, um, and supported by. We have an app for the supply side, um, and so that's had to go through a lot of changes as well. Yeah. The other big cross-functional uh, part of that is just positioning. You know, positioning ourselves as and getting getting the word out that we we do do this new on demand service, and so that was uh, a marketing uh, challenge. How you reposition yourself, uh, which was also you know external uh, in terms of like advertising and things like that, as well as in product. Mm-hmm. How do we message that well? Um, and then the you know, I guess the the consumers were already our users were already heading in that heading in that direction. The ones that we existing users that we had, like I said, we didn't take away any functionality. So that was, that was probably the easiest part was just building the, the product for the existing users in a way we knew they were going to love.
0: And how did you test that? I mean, obviously you don't always know 100%, um, but were there some things that you did along the way that helped kind of ensure that the solution would have a good chance of success?
1: yeah well, first of all, if you were looking at the data, you would see how um, the so if you if you go back like a year or so, people were booking out um, three or four days in advance uh, and that was the normal and we built the product where that was the happy path and so some of it was just by the way we built the product, but that was the norm. And even though we hadn't changed the product, even though we had this scheduling bias in the product, we saw over the past year the the time of which people were scheduling getting closer and closer uh, to the point in time when they were actually booking, you know, when they were on the app uh, using it. So it went from three days out to, you know, like most tasks being wanted in the next 24 hours, sometimes in the next 24 hours. So if you look at that data, it was very clear that, like, we just need to get out of their way. They want it done now, um, and we should give it to them now. So then we built that app, um, and we did we did a lot of prototyping and bringing users in to, to validate, you know, the UX of this along the way. Okay. But we were pretty certain that, you know, just from the data, uh, and and I think, you know, it's to some degree just, The broader trends that are happening in the world where you know mobile is getting mobile is really taking over the world there'll be like four billion smartphones in the world in 2020 and like five out of six adults will have one and that's everywhere that's Africa that's India as well as developed countries and then you see like people using their those smartphones as remote controls for the real world so they're just they're getting used to, you know, bringing up an app and saying, I want a car, bringing up an app and saying you know, saying I need food, I need dinner. And, and it's, it's all this stuff is happening now. And so I think, the, you know, that macro climate, it was also really supportive and as well as our own data in terms of, you know, determining whether or not this was going to be a success.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Definitely a mix of data gut, you know, um, very, and what, uh Now that you've tackled the real-time, are, are you guys kind of digging into some of the macro features around that since that really seemed to, to catch on and work? Uh, was that the next or was there another big product decision that you guys made after that? Do you guys have a kind of a flow um, to refinement and then big initiative?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think a lot of that there was a lot of optimization that needs to be done after any big big project and in some sense we're still optimizing that experience like it's it's already you know a great success i would say but we know that there are ways that we can make that even better and so we're still doing a lot of that like i guess when you do a big launch um, they say this about like <laughs> I'll use an analogy from like when my wife was pregnant. The doctor told her it takes you nine months to create a baby. Well, it takes you nine months then to get like your body back to normal. And so I think well, maybe that's a weird thing to say about product, <laughs> but like I think it's like the same amount of time that you spend uh, building or even you know conceiving conception to building that product. Like you have to spend that same amount of time optimizing and tweaking and really finding, you know, the, you know, the, the highest performing, performing, uh, I'm mixing up my words, but like to get that product super well performing. And so it took us like, you know, I guess like six months from conception to launch and, you know, we're still not, I'd say we're still a couple of months away from really having, uh, getting the most out of launch and getting the most out of that product
0: and what draws you to product when you you know you could have gone the engineering route could have gone the business route what draws you to product and and kind of overseeing the success of it
1: yeah it's an interesting question I think my um, I think just one thing intellectually I think I like the variety of product management so I like the business side of things. I like the strategic side of things, but I also really like, you know, engineering and UX and and design and talking to customers. So for me personally, it just has this um, balance uh, and, and intellectual curiosity that gets, that gets uh, fed. Um, And that's probably, and then I think the other thing is um, I think in product, you can really leverage yourself so you can, you know, as a single engineer working on things, I was, which I loved, I, you know, I'm still, I'm not a very good coder anymore, but I still admire uh, the discipline very much. But I felt like I could only really work on one thing at a time. And I felt, and I felt when I made the move to product management, um, I could work on several things at one time and I could sort of, I don't know, leverage myself across uh, a few different initiatives and and I really like that as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes it makes sense. It kind of utilizes the best of your all of your skills um in in a newer position. Um so that's uh that's awesome to hear. Um so where can we keep up with you and um and the developments of Taskrabbit?
1: Yeah, well, um in terms of keeping up with me, I'm on, you know, Twitter a lot. Um, I'm John V J O H N V on Twitter. And I've also been, um, doing quite a bit of, uh, I've started, I shouldn't say I've been doing quite a bit, but I've been trying to do, you know, some writing about product management and startups on medium. Nice. Check me out there. Um, I'll be speaking, um, uh, at the product collectives, uh, industry conference in Cleveland, um, in September. Um, so I'm out there. I'm doing a few things. I'm happy to uh, engage with anyone who wants to reach out with me as, to me as well.
0: That's awesome. Uh, that's, a, that's a great open invitation on Twitter um, and Medium. And, uh, and TaskRabbit, the apps on the iOS, Android, right? For anyone who hasn't run into it yet.
1: Yeah, uh, I highly recommend giving it a try. And if anyone out there has feedback for me about the product, uh, about the ux about the, your experience what we could do better uh i want to hear it you know we're we're seeking the truth so um <laughs> if anyone has <laughs> can help us get there bring it we we <laughs> we're not going to be uh too precious about our own ideas
0: well thank you so much i really appreciate your time here today
1: thank you very much michael i enjoyed it
0: I really hope you're enjoying this product series so far. We have a fantastic episode for you coming up here on Wednesday. We're actually talking to Bob Moesta, who is the creator of Jobs To Be Done, the framework which countless companies such as Basecamp rely on to help determine what product features they're going to build next. So. You're not going to want to miss that. So hit subscribe, leave us a review, let us know why you're listening. We'd love, love to hear from you. Big thanks to our sponsors, Team Gant. Go to teamgantcom forward slash rocket ship and use the code save on TG to get 50% off your first six months. And by Brand Bucket, go to brandbucket.com forward slash rocket ship. You get a special offer. Plus, you can get your next company name, logo, and domain all in one spot. Just like Mattermark, you really can't lose there. And by Chargebee. Chargebee is the easiest way to set up your subscription billing. Go to chargebee.com forward slash rocket ship and get set up for free. So follow us on Twitter at rocket Chip FM. You can follow me at Michael Saka, Joel at Joel Goldman, and we'll see you back here in just a couple days.